Okay. Good morning. Uh, so I want to address something real quickly before we jump in. Anytime we come to the scriptures and we open them up and we begin to dive into what the words say, there is the potential. In fact, I would go as far as to say there's the expectation that God is going to speak to us in a very unique way in a general sense, but also in a very personal sense. Sometimes, even in the same room or in the same country or the same world, when you're listening to the same message, one person could receive encouragement. The other down the row from you could be chastised. And that's how God works. And it's an amazing aspect of how God works. And this morning, as we launched this brand new series that we've titled, I Don't Understand, using the book of Habakkuk, in our study, that's our expectation. My hope for you, whether you're at home, nice and comfy on your couch by a fire and some hot chocolate, or you're in this room, is that you ask God, what is your global theme and message to the church? And what is it for me? That ought to be something that we're striving towards every Sunday, but I especially want to encourage that for this series. As we study, what we're looking for is, what do we do when we don't understand what's going on around us? What do we do when God doesn't make sense? What do we do when the circumstances that we see around us don't seem to fit with what God would necessarily want? How are we to control our thoughts, our emotions? What are we supposed to do? And so I'd love for you to open your Bibles to this Old Testament book of Habakkuk. If you're new to the Bible, it's in the Old Testament. Uh, you can go to your table of contents. Uh, uh, if you're new to uh, scripture and church, it's at the beginning part of the Bible. And as you turn there, uh, I want you to look at chapter one, and we'll be jumping into that in just a moment. Uh, Habakkuk is one of the minor prophets, not minor in any sense because uh, it's less important uh, or it's insignificant, but merely because it's short. That It's not rocket science why something's called a minor prophet. It's just a short prophet. It's different than, let's say, those of Isaiah or Jeremiah or Ezekiel, these long, drawn-out prophetic books. This is a nice, short, condensed one uh, that's rather brief. And I hope you'll take the next four weeks to read along as much as you can each day, read the book of Habakkuk. And that is because as you read, as you dive into these words, you're going to notice a reoccurring theme. And I would like to suggest to you this morning that as you do so, you are going to find a reoccurring theme that matches a lot of what's going on in this world. God has been so faithful to us as a church here at Rock Creek that it seems like every time we set a sermon series well in advance, that when it comes time to actually deploy that sermon series, it almost is verbatim exactly what is going on in our world. And this is no different because as you dig into Habakkuk, you're going to find that Habakkuk is actually asking Many of the questions you and I are asking today and many of the questions that Habakkuk was asking uh, continue to be asked throughout history and it continues this day. For instance, this is Habakkuk. How am I going to make it through this season of my life? How am I going to endure? This was Habakkuk who lived uh, around 600 BC during the days of Jeremiah. And Judah, now God's people, are in a serious predicament. The Syrians have come in and they've dominated them. They, they've actually taken many of them captive and thrown them into slavery. They, they have 
uh, endured one bad king after another, just a horrible ruler, horrible ruler, horrible ruler. That is what's going on. There's a drought. There's no crops in the field. Cattle are dying. In fact, at the end of Habakkuk in chapter 3, we see that the, the trees are much like the trees we have on stage today. There's no fruit on them. There, there's no fruit on the vines. There's no figs on the trees. The olives are going bad. Fields are empty. And Babylon is getting ready to invade them. You could say that the situation that they find themselves in as a nation is not very good. And God has sent prophet after prophet after prophet to the land, encouraging the people, turn away from your sin and turn back to me, I beg of you, only to be fallen on deaf ears. And Habakkuk, along with many, many others, is asking, how are we gonna make it? Where is all of this gonna end? Where are we headed with what's going on in our world? Maybe you've asked such questions. Certainly this week, if you watch the news, uh, that at least went through your mind. Who could have ever thought in modern day that we'd ever see the capital stormed? Who would have ever thought uh, in 2021 we'd still be dealing with race issues? Who would have thought in 2021, instead of getting better and, and choosing to listen to one another more and, and to see each other's sides, that we would pit one another against each other and have virtually a verbal, emotional, mental, and sometimes physical war with each other. I never would have thought that. And yet here we are. And maybe you've thought that about your marriage. You thought, well, I never thought we'd be in a position to divorce. And here we are. I, I never thought I would have to bury my child, and yet here you are. I never thought I'd lose my job. I never thought I'd be in financial ruins. I, I never thought I'd be in so deep with a horrible, sinful, habitual habit, and yet here I am. You see, we can apply this to all different areas of our life. How did I end up here, and how is this all going to play out long term? And then transfer that to God going, God, what are you doing? Why are you allowing this? How is this all going to play out long term? I just don't understand. And I, and I want to say to you that if, if you have any of those feelings or sub in some more, I want to say to you so loud and clearly, it's okay to look at God and say, what are you doing? It is okay to look to the God of all creation and say, I don't get it. I don't understand. And to have that honest conversation. In fact, Habakkuk will ask, God, where are you in all of these circumstances? Because let's just be clear, I don't see you. Look with me at the first three verses of chapter one. Here's how it begins. How long, Lord, must I call for help? But you don't listen. Or cry out to you, there's violence but you don't save. Why do you make me look at injustice? Why do you tolerate wrongdoing? Destruction and violence, they're before me. There is strife and conflict abound. How long? Why? What are you doing, God? You ever been there? I'm sad to say for the follower of Jesus, it's not if you'll go there, it's when you'll go there. And for some, this can literally break the heart. And sometimes we can make the mistake of, of walking into a beautiful church, we can listen to beautiful music, we can sit with loved ones, or we can curl up on the couch and watch, and we can choose to forget that life is really hard. And that often, this life that's really hard doesn't make a lick of sense. This is why we've entitled this series, I Just Don't Understand. That was me watching the Capitol this week. I just don't understand. 
I can't wrap my mind around these things. Now listen, I'm not going to get into one side or the other like, hey, they were justified in this and there wasn't everybody. Stop. What is God doing in our world? In your world? In the world at large? And if that's you, if, if you've been asking these questions or, or uh, if you've asked them before, you're going to find a friend in the prophet Habakkuk. <laughs> you're going to find a soulmate in Habakkuk, especially if you're living that now, if you're feeling those emotions now, Habakkuk is going to become your new best friend because all of a sudden you're not going to go through this alone. Now, the book is a little bit different in most prophetic books. It is the prophet speaking to God's people on behalf of God. In this book, it's a little bit different. It's a, virtually a conversation between Habakkuk and God. And we, the readers, are kind of spectators to this conversation. And it gives incredible insight to not just the life of a prophet and the heart of a prophet back then, but it also gives us some direction today. The conversation is raw. It's transparent. It's no holds barred. At times, it almost seems a little offensive that Habakkuk is going just a little bit too far. Like, speak to God, but remember who you're speaking to sort of deal. It, it almost seems like, are we allowed to even talk to God like that? And the overwhelming answer is yes. God desires that. God desires such an authentic, real, engaging relationship where you're not holding back, that you're able to just go and have this un unleashed conversation between God. And guess what? He can handle it. His shoulders are strong enough to handle what you're going to throw on him. And so I hope throughout this series, it, it, it gives you the freedom and the, the encouragement to dump onto God when you need it. It's a book of struggles when life isn't going the way that we had planned or isn't, isn't working out the way that we thought things were. Does that make sense for today? Let me just list off a number of things that we just don't know how it's going to end. We've got vaccines. Michael's got it, right? You got the first round. Uh, you got the second one too. He's not a different color. He seems fairly normal. As much as Michael was normal in the past, he still is. We've got COVID that is still raging in different places, although in Colorado, we're beginning to see a slight ten, uh, uh, trend downward, nothing that allows us to just throw caution to the wind yet, but th good thing, good signs are happening. We've got vaccines. We have a new presidential administration that is going to begin soon. We have stimulus checks, anxieties, depression, suicide, isolation, race issues, relational problems, career changes family dynamics, finances, spring or summer plans. Any of you making summer plans and you're like, hey, I've never been a gambler, but here we go. <laughs> like, I don't know what June and July is going to hold, but we're trying to make a few plans. I don't know what's going to happen tomorrow or next week or next month or next year. A lot of, as some of you have asked, what are we doing for church at this time? And I'm like, I don't know. What do you want to do? Like, I, I don't know. I don't know what the future holds. I don't know how all of this is going to turn out. This is Habakkuk. This is his heart as he watches evil pervade around him. And he's asking, where is God in all of this? Where's God What's the plan? God, I, I just don't understand. And this is the precursor to a, a theological, uh, philosophical discussion that has often prevented individuals from coming to faith for over 2,000 years, and that is this, the problem of evil. Or you could say just the problem of pain, the, the problem of good things, bad things happening to good people. Why? And if you can't help me understand that, then I'm not putting my faith into it. My hope is that as we continue to unpack the scriptures, that it'll actually give you more confidence than question. 
In 6th century BC, there was a Greek philosopher named Epicurus. He was born and he later framed the question like this. If God is really powerful, he could stop all evil. If God is really loving, he should stop all evil. But with all the bad going on in our world, he's either not all powerful or he's not all good. I joked with Alex uh, this week, I wonder if everybody had killer beards back then or if the emperors just said, make sure I look good with a beard. Because it seems like every statue has just a phenomenal beard. And what brings me comfort with Epicurus asking this question is that long before he wrestled with or other philosophers or theologians wrestled with this question is that Habakkuk not only wrestled with the question, he had a conversation with the God of all creation about it. So let's continue to dig in and talk to someone who spoke with God. And what we're going to learn is when things don't make sense, when they just don't add up, when the world around us seems confusing, either on a macro level or a micro level to our own individual lives, when that is happening and you're searching for, an, uh, for, for answers to your questions, two things. Number one, you pray. And number two, you wait. I want to acknowledge this. Both are hard. Both are incredibly hard to do on an ongoing basis. Listen to the headlines of Habakkuk's prayer. I wonder what your prayer sounded like this week. Here's his in verses two through four. How long, Lord, this is his prayer to God. How long, Lord, must I call for help, but you do not listen? Or I cry out to you, violence, but you don't save. In other words, I'm telling you there's violence and you're not doing anything about it. Why do you make me stare at injustice? Why do you tolerate wrongdoing? Why don't you do something about this? Destruction and violence are before me. There is strife and conflict abounds. Therefore, the law is paralyzed and justice never prevails. The wicked hem in the righteous so that justice is perverted. I don't know about you, but most of my prayers, admittingly, are about my family and my health and my finances and my church and my ministries and my friends and, and my future. It, it tends to be a little me-focused, and I have to fight that. But contrast that with Habakkuk's prayer. He prays for two things. He prays for help, and he prays for salvation. Help from what? And salvation from what? What is Habakkuk's focus as he sees everything crumbling around him? What is his focus? Now, put yourself in his shoes. You're a prophet. You have a job. Your job is to make sure that people hear from, love, and follow God. That's your job to make sure everybody is on the same page, moving in the same direction, hearing from God, but then you're teaching them and growing them to interact with God. That is your job. And as you walk the city, as the prophet would do, as you walk the city and you're praying, you begin to see countless government officials that instead of serving the people, they're exploiting the people. As you walk the city, you're seeing judges that are being bribed. And the poor have no power whatsoever because they don't have any money to bribe anybody. So they're stuck. And the priests, which are supposed to be God's examples and his agents, are now corrupt beyond any understanding and Habakkuk prays. When he sees all of that, he prays. And he prays not for his own comfort, but he asks God, why do you keep putting up with this? You have the ability to strike down in any way that you choose to. Why do you keep allowing this? Why don't you intervene? Why don't you rescue? Why don't you save? Why don't you do something? 
Have you asked that before? Have you, have, you, have you had that heartbreak where you're pleading before God, why or why not? Why don't you hold people accountable? Why don't you make it to where every single person who is created on this earth is treated with the dignity that they deserve? Why don't you force that? This is Habakkuk. And he prays and his prayers help. And your prayers help. And you say, okay, well, Brian, I pray, but I don't necessarily see them helping anything. So how does that work? Well, let's unpack that here very briefly. Number one, in prayer, we are able to unload our hearts to God. When we pray, we're able to take everything that's on our heart, everything that's crushing down on top of us, and we're able to unload that on the shoulders of God. Everything that troubles us, everything that infuriates us, everything that we hate, all of the injustice, what we deem to be unfair, the things that don't add up in our own personal world or in the world around us, we're able to take all of those things and unload that to God. The Bible says in 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 7, give all your worries and cares to God. Why? For he cares about what happens to you. Friends, when, when you're hurting, especially when you're hurting to a point where you can't speak, know that God cares for you. He cares about that confusion. He cares about that pain. He cares about that sorrow. He cares for you. What do we do often do? We we often do the opposite. We tell our friends, we tell our neighbors, we tell our coworkers, we tell people at church, we chat about it online, we, we do empty posts that who, who in the world knows is going to read that, but then we somehow make ourselves believe we're gonna feel better by dumping in a different area. We stuff it down deep, in other words, we compartmentalize. That's not going to do any good. We use hobbies to distract us, entertainment to feel some pleasure. We develop bitter thoughts and feelings. We, we try and pull ourselves up by our bootstraps and, and work harder. We, we take everything that we're feeling on our heart and in our mind and within our whole body, and we release that anywhere that could possibly help. And God waits. And we often find ourselves, after dumping everywhere where we can think, we find ourselves in the exact same place we started. Just as frustrated, just as confused, just as irritated, and still asking, why? <laughs> There's a solution. You see, prayer helps us unload our, our, our burdens to the one who can do something about them. Prayer is the only outlet that can change our situation. Not our physical situation. We can certainly go to a boss and ask for a change. We can go to a friend and ask for different things. But I'm talking about deep down in here. No one else can change what's in here or up in here except the God of all creation who made you and knows you perfectly. So why not go to him first? Here's the interesting thing about prayer. Sometimes as followers of Christ, we can think of ourselves as one who prays. But often, if you dig down deep and find out, well, how often do you pray? How long do you pray? What do you talk to God about? We'll find it's very shallow. It's very short. I don't say that to convict you. I don't, I don't say that to point a finger at you. I, I say that so that you can evaluate. This year, or let's not even take this year, this week. 
How much have you prayed about what you've seen going on around our world? Have you sat for great lengths with the God of all creation? The one who understands, the one who can give you peace, the one who can answer your questions, or have you turned to other elements to relieve that? I'm guilty of it. If I compare how much news I watch to how much time I pray about the news I'm watching, I'm guilty. And so as you begin to unload your heart, you will begin to feel him carry those issues and give you answers. So prayer allows us to unload on God and prayer, number two, it directs our hearts towards injustice. This is very, very important. When we pray, if we, if we spend any length of time in prayer, God will always eventually direct our heart to injustices. Why? Because God's heart is for injustice. God's heart is to make things right. Where there are things that are not right, where there are injustices, where there are wrongdoings, God's heart is to enter into those areas. Now, much like we talked about last week, we need to remember that God entering into fix isn't always going to make sense to us. It's not always going to be the way that we planned. In fact, most of the time, it's not going to be the way that we planned. It's going to be the way that he plans. And when we direct our hearts in prayer and we begin to pray, God directs our attention and thus changes our perspective. Our issues and our struggles and our confusion may remain, but God has a unique way of changing our perspective so that we can view those things in a different angle. You with me? In other words, your life doesn't necessarily change, but your perspective does. This is so incredibly important because as we begin to see the things that God sees from his perspective and his angle, we will begin to see the things that hurt God's heart. Let's be honest. (coughs) Some of the things that hurt your heart don't hurt God's heart. Are we okay with that? What is also true is some of the things that hurt God's heart, you're not there yet. They don't hurt your heart. Your heart doesn't break for the things that break God's heart. That's okay. That's called growth. That's called growing in a relationship with God. But that is exactly what happens is we begin to dwell on God. God says, well, here's what I'm dwelling on. Here's the injustices. Here's the hurt and pain. Here's where I am bringing reconciliation to the world. This is actually my focus. I I know that you're super bothered by the fact that your light is out again. and, And I care deeply about that. But I also care about this kid who's starving. I'm super sorry that you're frustrated and, uh, that, that you had to work late or your car wouldn't start or, or, or that your hot water heater went out. I'm sure God cares deeply about that, but he cares about this just a little bit more. It's his heart. Justice. Proverbs chapter eight, verse 13 says, to fear the Lord is to hate evil. To fear the Lord, in other words, to surrender and submit and have reverence before God is to thus hate what is exactly the opposite of him, and that is evil. And one of the ways that we hate evil is that we pray for God's justice in our land. And sometimes we don't pray about justice because we're consumed with our own comforts. And even if you're not consumed with your own comfort, you're consumed with your own schedule. Got a lot going on in this world, God. Right here in this house, things are happening. And that's that, it's not like you choose to do it maliciously, it's just that's what you know. And that makes complete sense. And God shows an immense amount of patience with that. Sometimes we don't pray about injustices because we're not aware of the injustices. And the minute we become aware, if we're walking in step with God, our heart shatters. This last year on social media, I began to follow 
uh, various organizations like Food for the Hungry and Voice for the Martyrs and World Water and Samaritan's Purse and other groups so that I could be more aware of the needs and hurts and travesties going on in the world around us because I felt like my world was this. And I love you all, but most of the time you are not at the top of the list on world catastrophes, thank goodness. I live in Superior, Superior Louisville, like pretty good place to live. And so I began to follow these so that my world, my awareness of what's going on on this planet is a little bit more expanded. And I can tell you that it has changed my prayer life. My prayers have changed. I'm deeply uh, feeling if, you're, if your animal at home is not feeling well. I care deeply about that. But for instance, my, my perspective has changed. Did you know that U.S. sex trafficking is an over $10 billion industry? Not world. U.S. $10 billion industry that takes place in Superior, in Louisville, in Lafayette, in Erie, in Broomfield, in Longmont, in Denver, every day, every day. In our country alone, over 200,000 children a year are at risk for being trafficked for indentured sexual pleasure. And the average age is 12 to 14 years old. In the words of Biggie Smalls, if you don't know, now you know. Is that going to be included in your prayer? You see, it just changes things. The more that you dive into God and his kingdom and what he is passionate about, it changes things, friends. I know we should be concerned about the capital, and I certainly was this week, but let me tell you, if, if your chide is chapped because of that, I have more things for you to be chided about. I can share with you deeper hurts and pains than what we deem to be in America our biggest threat because there are bigger things going on in this world. So how do you, how do you pray for injustice there? If, if we know that that sex trafficking is going on, how do we enter into pray? What do we pray for? How do we pray? How do we pray that God would put such an end to such a horrific act going on in our world? As we live comparable, pretty comfortable lives. Well, you do your homework. You call up IJM, which is a phenomenal ministry, international justice ministry, who exists solely to travel around the world and, and kick down doors and work with local uh, municipal uh, law enforcement agencies in every country throughout this world to rescue people who are in slavery. And you ask them, how can I be praying? And I promise you, they'll tell you. They won't say we've got a mission coming up in Indonesia on Wednesday at four. But they will tell you uh, larger areas of how you can enter into a prayer for those children. And then you pray. And you pray. And if your heart isn't interested in praying, and, and let's just be honest, we've all been there. We've all been there where prayer's hard, where prayer's boring, where you run out of things to say, or you find yourself at one minute going, I'm praying out loud. Is anybody hearing this or am I going crazy? We've all been there. Or you just flat out don't believe that God does something through prayer. You ask God, Will you please break my heart for the things that break yours? 
The things that are heavy on your heart, will you break mine? Because Habakkuk, let's revisit our prophet, Habakkuk could very easily focus on the personal, and yet he brings before God everything that he sees that is happening. It's breaking his heart. And yes, we can even pray, God, why don't you do something? Why do you tolerate this? I just don't, I just don't understand. And what's good about this is you can apply that to the world you can also apply it to your life. You have a family member going through a hard situation, take a walk with God. Have that honest conversation. Out of work, struggling in your marriage, financially struggling, find yourself in a real pickle. Have that conversation with God. What's up? Why is this happening? Where are you? Listen, I don't know what's going on in your life. Especially for those of you online, I don't know all of you. I'm thrilled that you're tuning in. I'm thrilled that you are a part of this church. I'm thrilled that you're worshiping with us and growing with us and, and diving into the scriptures with us. But let's be honest, I don't know everything that's going on in all of your lives. But God does. He knows what's been heavy on your heart all week. He knows the struggles. I'll, let me just be honest. Sometimes my struggles in a given week is not world hunger. It's online learning. Just is. Uh, sometimes uh, my my pain that I feel isn't necessarily the trafficking that's going on in our world. It's making sure that Alex and I can get live streaming up and running. It's why it is so important to continually go back to the scriptures because God will either affirm where your heart is positioned or he will gently guide it to where he wants it to be. But you have to be willing to log some time. So that's the first one. It's a bit long this morning, but it's so important that we understand this. We pray. And if that is difficult, the second is even more difficult, and that is we wait. We're not good at waiting. Raise your hand if, if you're just not very good at waiting. Let's just, those saints, you guys keep your hands down, but... The rest of us sinners, like, we're just not good at waiting. We don't like to wait in line. Sandy and I were at Costco yesterday. We had our lowest bill ever, which was amazing. They have self-checkout now at Costco, which blew our minds. And I don't even know where I was going. That Oh, the lines. We don't like to stand in the lines at Costco. We don't like to sit on the 25 in traffic. If the, if the ski lines are, the lift lines are a little bit long, that irritates us a little bit. We don't like to wait. Internet has ruined us. <laughs> you guys remember the old dial-up? Jeez. We don't like to wait. We put something in the microwave Two minutes seems like an eternity. But we don't like to wait. It's hard. And Habakkuk waits and he hears God say, hey, you want me to do something? It's almost like don't poke the bear. You can picture God going, you want me to do something? You, you think I'm just standing idly by while evil persists? Let me get this straight. You think I don't understand what's happening here? Got it. Oh, I'm going to do something. I am going to intervene. 
and I'm going to unleash an answer, but newsflash, you're not going to like any of it. You're going to cry, and you're going to cry a lot, but I am going to do something. Look with me at verses 5 through 11. This is God's answer. So this is why I always tell people, hey, look, God can handle whatever you throw on him. Just remember who you're talking to. Here's God's response to Habakkuk saying, what are you doing? I don't understand. Okay. Look at the nations and watch and be utterly amazed. For I am going to do something in your days that you would not believe, even if you were told. I am raising up the Babylonians. Red alert. Not good. I am raising up the Babylonians, that ruthless and impetuous people who sweep across the whole earth to seize dwelling places, not their own. They are a field and dreaded people. They are a law to themselves and promote their own honor. Their horses are swifter than leopards, fiercer than wolves at dusk. Their cavalry gallops along. Their horsemen come from afar. They fly like a vulture swooping down to devour. They all come bent on violence. Their hordes advance like a desert wind and gather prisoners like sand. They deride kings and they scoff at rulers. They laugh at every fortified city. They build earthen ramps and capture them. And then they sweep past the wind and go on. Guilty men whose own strength is their God. And Habakkuk says, why don't you do something down here? And God says, listen. I'm going to do something, you're not going to like it. In fact, I am going to use the most wicked nation on earth to punish my people. Does that make sense to anybody? I mean, we, we see the end of the story, so don't cheat. God has a purpose here. But at first glance, does that make sense to anybody? God, what are you doing? It seems like things are crazy. Oh, they are? Okay, I'm going to intervene. I'm going to send the worst of the worst who are going to absolutely kick you to the curb. Oh, perfect. Good plan. And here's the point for us today. God is going to judge all of the evil and all of the injustices that ever were or have ever going to be. He is going to make every injustice and every evil right. Some of you in this room, you have suffered some immeasurable injustices. They've scarred you for life. If you think about some of your worst moments that you've ever experienced, those injustices will come to mind like that. I just want to speak to you. Your injustice will be made right someday. Your hurt, your pain from that evil will be made right. I don't know the time. I don't know the method. But I do know the God. And he will make things right. He is not just going to stand by and do nothing. Now let's apply this to our world as we see it. God is not just going to stand by and do nothing. He's not going to uh, just sit idly by while evil persists. He is going to do something in his time and we can trust him. We can trust him and we can wait. Now listen, we can wait because we trust him. You with me on that? I have to admit something to you all. I trust that you're very forgiving and, and gracious. So many of you know growing up in Chicago that I'm a big Chicago Bears fan. Now, because of that, I've seen a lot of losing in my life. If you're a Patriots fan and you were born in, let's say, 19... Uh, 99, you've seen a lot of winning, not me. I've seen a lot of losing, except one time in 1985, I put on my Walter Bears, uh, Walter Payton Bears jersey and sat in front of our television and the Bears uh, beat the Patriots down to where they were nothing and won the Super Bowl. It was an incredible day for me. Never experienced anything like it since. 
because they keep losing. <clears throat> and my admission to you is that I have watched that game several times. And the highlights from that game several times as to smooth out all of the losing. Because I have to be reminded every now and then what a good Bears team looked like. And so I've watched those. Now, here's the kicker. As I watch the game, the reporters are nervous. The announcers are nervous. You can see people in the stands are nervous. Everybody's hanging on a thread on every play. And what do I do? I sit back and I'm like, this is great. No stress. No stress whatsoever. I know they're not going to screw this up. I know they're going to win. I know they're going to just trounce all over the Patriots. This is going to be great. I have no stress. Why? Because I know they win. And I can wait out the game. Every time there's a bad play or a, or a bad pass, I just go, no problem. I know where this is going. And I can wait it out. I can wait it out because I trust that they're going to win because I've seen it. As Christ followers, we know how all of this ends. We're not watching the game, hoping and praying, sitting on the edge of our seat. We know God wins. That's how we're able to watch something like the Capitol this week and allow ourselves to have pain to be sure of what's going on. But it's also the exact thing that allows us to go, I will wait on my Lord because he's worthy to be trusted. And I will trust him because as I wait, I see his hand. That's not to say what goes on in our lives is easy. That's not to say what we see on television or the news is easy. It just means we serve a God who is worthy of our trust. He's worthy of our patience. He, he's worthy of what he is doing. And often we're not privy to that. So we wait. And one day, all sin, all injustice, all evil, all wrongdoing is going to be judged and dealt with once and for all. And we remember as we wait this last little nugget. You ready? This world is not your own. This world is not your home of homes. If you ever watch HGTV, Alex watches that every week. If you watch HGTV, you'll hear them often talk about, oh, I found my forever home. Those of us who have bought houses know, it's usually not the case, but nevertheless, they feel great about their forever home. This is not your forever home. Don't lose heart about what you're seeing going on around us. God is bigger than this. This is not the end all be all. The, the pain, the confusion, the frustration, the irritation, it's valid. But put it in perspective, this is not everything. Thank God in heaven there are no Republicans or Democrats. <laughs> There's no government except for the holy government. Our great triune God ruling forever in love and peace and redemption. Where the saints gather and say, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty who was and is and is to come for he is worthy to be praised. That's where God will turn your heart as you log some serious time in prayer. Is it easy? No, it's not easy. But God is a God who, who does things outside the book. And the epitome of that is the cross. The cross, we celebrate the cross. 
We celebrate Good Friday. We celebrate Easter. Those that lived back then, it made no sense. They were saying, quote, I don't understand. What are you doing? We invested all of our time into this. What are you doing? And then three days later, our glorious Savior rises from the grave and now sits at the right hand of the Father. And now it makes sense what he was doing. Know that in your life. God knows what he's doing. Seek him. Rest in him. Pray. Allow your heart to be Turn towards injustices so that your perspective changes. And then, my friends, wait. We're going to spend much more time next week on this very difficult command to wait. So we'll hit that next week. But then you wait. And I have found this. It's much easier to wait with others than all by yourself. Waiting by yourself is scary. It's lonely. So let's pray together. And as we head into worship, allow our hearts to be tuned back to him. To allow our perspective, even just in this moment, to change just a little bit. Those stresses, those worries, they're still there. But allow ourselves to be turned just a little bit to the heart of God. Let's pray together. God, we love you. We understand in this world that there are going to be trials. The scriptures are very clear about that. There are going to be good days and there are going to be bad days. There are going to be things that we rejoice and celebrate and have joy. There's also going to be those moments like this week that cause us to scratch our head and go, where's all of this going? How is this all going to play out? What's the end goal here? God, what are you doing? I don't understand. And I just want to say thank you that you can endure and not just endure, you can welcome those questions and then lovingly with grace and mercy you can hold us as you explain in your time. So you have proven yourself over and over and over again to be worthy of trust. To be worthy of, of the one to put our life into your hands. You are trustworthy and you are worthy of it. So we raise our arms, we bow our heads, we kneel before the throne of thrones and we acknowledge that you alone are God. Use this book of Habakkuk over the next handful of weeks to stir and to change our hearts and to draw us closer to you in the midst of our confusion. That we pray in Christ's name. Would you please stand?